We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Joe Yurden joins me. And Joe, it's been a while since I've had you on. Um, It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for making time for me on this beautiful Saturday morning. Uh, I'm excited to have you. How are you, my friend? Doing well, doing well, Nate. It's uh, it's always fun to be to be on talking with you and uh, be be more fun if there was fun hockey to talk about. But hey, yeah, yeah, I, I would say that that's right. But you know, at the same time, um, anytime you have an opportunity to sort of you know rip a scab off and see whether or not uh, it can grow back in a in some sort of meaningful way without scar tissue showing up, I think we've got <laughs> something. You know, we we we've got something to work with here, Joe. And I think. You know, the I, I was just saying this to a friend last night, and I was like, hey, man, you know, last time we saw each other, because every time I see my buddy, we always kind of end up talking about the Sabres. I don't know why, uh, but we do. And so we were talking about the Sabres last night when we were out having a couple of pops, and I said, you know, last time we saw each other, I felt like things were really looking up the end of the season. Uh, we're, we're watching Casey Middlestat, we're watching Tage Thompson and Asplin that line, and we're watching the young guys and cousins and... It just seemed like the attitude, um, it seemed like even some of the outside voices had started moving in more of a positive direction, and then the end-of-season press conferences happened, and it sort of felt like we moved right back into the same sort of feelings we had during that whatever it ended up being, 17, 18, whatever, game-losing streak. It almost felt as sort of negative and dark as that. And I'm wondering sort of just when when you think about the roller coaster that was this season, how do you put into perspective what we heard from it felt like three very different days, right, Joe? Like day one yeah. was holy crap, this is bad. Day two is, well the young guys, they're making me feel better. And then day three was, well I like to coach, but the GM's really worrying me here. So like put into perspective sort of the roller coaster that was the three days of press conferences and, and kind of how it maybe coincided with the season and, and kind of how it was an emotional roller coaster there as well. Yeah, the, the way the, the, the way the three day the press junket seemed to turn out was uh, was almost a mirror image of the season where uh, everything everything was bad. <laughs> to start off, you like you know you get your first couple interviews and you're like okay all right well that sounds a little dire and then you get to the end and you get to Jack and you're like oh boy okay yeah this is not good this is really this is really not good and then you know you get you, you get your look at the young guys which is wild to me that that guys like Casey and Tage are the young guys compared to old man Jack Eichel at 20, <laughs> 24 years old <laughs> but I mean it, I, I guess hard times can age a person so that that's fair but um but it's you, you know you, you get some you get some boost out of those guys because those guys all needed a lift like they they all had to play better this season and and don granado was able to find ways to, to to do that for them so that's that's a huge boost and you know what the 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 final day i mean don's 
Don's end of season meeting was was basically him interviewing for his job, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and him stating his case that yeah, I, I I belong here. This this job should be mine. And you know he understands. You know the situation's definitely different because there's a lot of candidates out there. There's a lot of available coaches and a lot of there's going to be a lot of voices <clears throat> to you know to sort through. And you know when it comes to Kevin Adams, I mean, he's uh, talk about everything he's he's had to 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 get a handle on this whole year. Um, from from the moment he was hired to to right now, it's a lot. It's a lot for a guy in the in the first year of a job and a guy with a limited staff. I mean, yeah, he's, it's nice that he's got Carmanos with him now, but goodness gracious, yeah. that's just so much, so much to try to get a handle on. And with with all the problems that have come up and, and all the problems that he's staring at right now, man, I, I mean, there there are GMs that that have been around for twenty years that that would probably look at this and go, okay. All right, this is this is rough. So, um, trying to find the the glimmers of hope here. Yeah, it's you know I'm 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 happy that those that that guys like Asplund and Middlestad and and them had had a nice season and a nice bounce back for them because they had to. I mean, if they didn't, I mean it, things would be even more dire because then you're looking at boy, you can just blow it up and and probably just move on and and be okay with it because you're just like, well, we got nothing. We got nothing here if Jack and Sam go. So. Um, so I mean, this is you know it's it's good it's good for Don. I mean, Don made his case. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the way the team played down the stretch. I mean, would have been harder. It would have been really hard to do worse than than Ralph did. I mean, I don't know how you do worse than losing eighteen in a row, but um, it, it would have been very difficult for him to do worse than that. But you know, he got something out of these guys. He had them playing loose. He had them playing free, and that's good. That's a that's a really good thing because these guys needed it. So. Um, you know, if they I, if they decide to to stick with them, I, you know, it, it's good from a development aspect. I do wonder though if he's if he would be the right call if you know if they're able to patch things up and and get the get this crew back together and make an honest to goodness run. And I think it sort of leads me into something that I, I that stuck out to me anyways, or, or, or really stood out. There was a couple of things, uh, a couple of aspects of, of Adam's press conference and some of the things that he said that stood out to me. And, and I say the first one really being the term buy-in that he mentioned, talking about the talent on the team versus the buy-in. And, and I think the guy that stands out to me here is Taylor Hall, because Taylor Hall comes here in a one-year deal, um, a prove-it deal in a contract year, and you can't really get anything out of him. And now, granted, there was some really bad luck at play with Taylor Hall. I mean, yeah. just un- a lot of decent scoring chances. I mean, he takes a puck to the face. He just had sort of a, 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 just a run of really bad luck here in Buffalo. And, you know, I think it's it was probably well known that he really liked Ralph Kruger. It was interesting to hear a lot of the feedback you heard. I guess it wasn't really interesting. I think it was, we all knew that the team and the players really liked Ralph Kruger as a person. But... It's I, I, the disconnect on on how he is viewed amongst those players, and then the term buy-in being there, and thinking to yourself, okay, well, how could you like a guy as much as as these players claim to have liked Ralph while he was here, but not be able to buy into what he was trying to do, and whether or not 
if, if let's just let's just pretend, Joe, that the team quote unquote bought into the system. Is does that mm-hmm. do we see a different brand of hockey? Are we seeing a different product in the ice if there's quote buy in from that team, or was this st- strictly the system was bad? It's not a modern day NHL system, especially a system that can really highlight the skill set of the younger roster that they had, particularly Rasmus Dahlin, who is a by the way different hockey player since sort of being <laughs> let loose in this Granado system, which is a little more free, uh, just a little free uh, free wheeling kind of system, but. I guess the question here is, buy-in, what does that mean when you consider that you need buy-in from the top guys, and if you're not getting it, where are you? Yeah, the the buy-in for Ralph was, I, I mean, it, it changed, I think, with the whole Skinner situation. Um, I, think that's, I think that's the point when he really lost a lot of the guys in the room because it's like, listen, this guy's doing his best. <laughs> you know, you're, you're saddling him with a couple of our worst players, and he's still generating these opportunities. And, yeah, he's not scoring, but literally nobody on the team is. And if you're going to punish him for that, well, you got to punish Jack. you got to punish Taylor Hall. you got to punish, you know, you, you, you got to do that. And instead, it just seemed to be, you know, screw Jeff, uh, we're benching him. And it was just like, okay, that's the way it's going to be, man. Like, I, I guess, but that doesn't seem very fair. I mean, if it's to send a message, well, the message wasn't received. And, you know, that that kills your chance of getting a buy-in. But you're right about his system. Uh, his system, I mean, if you use that system in international play with, with you, know, say, you know, say coaching Switzerland, that's the perfect system for that because you don't have the amount of talent. You don't have the superstars. You don't have the guys to be able to, to run and execute it. And for football guys, Joe, it's like running triple option, right? It's like it's like Army and Navy and Air Force. They don't get the recruits that Clemson and Alabama get. The size of their offensive linemen are smaller. So how you stay in games is you control the ball, try to have long, sustained 15, 20, 30 play drives, run the football, dr- run the clock out, and hope you can keep a close game, right? I mean, like that, that's the football equivalent of what we're talking about here. Yeah, it's it, it's... You know, it's not as fun as like a single wing, even though a sing, you know, like a single <laughs> wing is, is gonna is gonna you know you, you run out an air force or, yes. or a navy offense. Like you're not you're not you're, you're not running that even that exorbitant of an offense out there. You're just still you're trying to grind it down. You're trying to wear the other team down. You want to keep the you want to keep the score as low as possible. And you know that's that was something that just didn't it doesn't fly in the NHL right now. At least not the way when it's played like that. I mean, if you play it like if you play the way the Islanders do, yeah, you can have a lot of success doing that. But the Islanders do a ton of other things that that are better than that. But um, but in Ralph's case, like that that NA, that style in the NHL just doesn't work. Like it just it doesn't fly when you're asking your defenseman to to hold the line at at your you know in the offensive zone. Stop at the blue line. Don't don't go in deep. Just let the forwards handle the offense. Like you can't, you cannot play that way in the NHL now. You have to have your defensemen involved. Like you have to, you have to be able to play off the rush. You have to be able to do these things. And that was an easy switch for for Granado to flip there because it's just kind of like, all right, listen, we're going to do things a little bit more modern here. <laughs> you know, like you know, Darlene, if you're carrying the puck in, go in deep. I don't care. Like, don't don't slam on the brakes of the blue line and, and take a bad shot. Like let's try to get better shots. Um, so like that, from that side of things, like it's, it's hard to get a buy-in when you're, when you're basically playing rod hockey, uh, with, with pros, because, you know, these guys have different skills, they have different abilities and, and, and ways to get to get the puck and to get to the, and to get to the net. And if you're just saying like, no, my system is better than your skills. I mean, you, you got to prove it, <laughs> you know, and if you're going against the skills of your players, then you're just doing yourself at the service. And I think that was a big part of why 
things struggled here, uh, you know, certainly this season because, you know, the, the buy, you know, a the buy-in's not there because you don't believe in it because you're you're doing all these things where you you're, you're asking guys to go against what they, you know, what they're really good at, and that that just does not fly in the NHL. And you know what? When you get predictable, NHL teams can just watch a little bit of video and figure it out. And defending against a team that's that predictable, it's it, it makes it elementary, and that's that that's what I think they really ran into. So I guess the follow-up question, and and maybe this is just. As simple as saying they liked Ralph the human, but I guess how could you, how could how could guys like Jack Eichel, who at this point is a respected top ten, top fifteen type player in the league, Taylor Hall mm-hmm. isn't maybe that anymore, but is a guy around the league. People are like, I, Taylor Hall's Taylor Hall. Okay, he's the name that carries weight. How can you then? And uh, Sam Reinhardt said the same thing, off, coming off the best season of his career, but most of that damage came under the, the, the coaching change. I guess, I guess my follow-up question, Joe, is how can you actively talk the way you do about liking Ralph Kruger as a person, saying, like, I wanted to be a part of my life for the rest of my life. That's what Jack Eichel said about Ralph Kruger while he's actively basically setting you up for failure in your profession. And I think about it, I've had a lot of great bosses that weren't particularly good at their job, but mm-hmm. it's not like they made some sort of impact on me personally where I was able to overlook what they were doing to hurt me in my profession, you know? And I guess it's it, it's a very confusing relationship um, hearing the team talk about Ralph the way that they did while looking at how they responded to him as a coach. There was mm-hmm. such a disconnect between their respect for him as a coach and their respect for him as a person and like a leader. And I guess my question there is what the hell, you know, like, I I guess how can you have both? How can you have both of those things? Well, I, I I think that boils down to like what, you know, some of the other stuff that we've, we've gotten, we got to know about Ralph um, personally, you know, him, him as, you know, the, you know, the great speaker, him, you know, which I mean, he is, let's, let's face it. You know, there, there. How many press conferences did we watch where he won the press conference? Pretty good number of them, at least. You know, before before the end times came, you know, where you're just kind of like, wow, okay, I could listen to that guy talk forever. And him as a person, like he's so affable, he's so you know, he's so easy to get along with and everything. And you know, I think the thing we forget about guys in hockey is that for a lot of them, it it is really just business. And you know, you can you can have somebody where it's you know, if you go out and you. you you're having a, you know, if you have a bad game or whatever. I mean, guys like Jack and Sam, they they still produce well. They still played well personally, even though the team wasn't having success. But like, that's not an affront to them, you know. You know, the the way Ralph coached the team, that's not an affront to them personally. Even though you know the team success was lacking, like him as a person, you can you can divest the two. And I get what you're saying, Nate, because believe me, there there's been, you know, I think we've all been there in those kinds of situations where, you know, somebody might be really good, but if they're bad for, bad for you or at their job, at your job, you're just like, Jesus, this guy's a letdown. I don't know if I could, I, I don't know if I could really hang out with them, but you know, I think it's a little bit different when, you know, you, you're, you've piled up millions of dollars and you, you've already achieved a lot. I mean, it's, yeah. you've achieved a lot. You haven't, you know, you haven't hit the, you know, the, the, the heights of it, but you, you can, you can divest from that. Like there, you know, guys loved Phil Housley too. Like they loved and respected Phil Housley, but you know, ultimately when the, you know, if, if you're coaching a system that you don't, you know, that, that isn't working and you don't buy into it, like it's easy to tune it out and you're just kind of like, all right, like it's what he wants. We're going to do it, but uh, this stinks, <laughs> but we still like the guy, you know, we'll still go play golf with him. We'll still, you know, 
will still you know shoot the breeze with them. Like that's that that's a whole that's like a whole different world to some of these guys. Like to to take it personally, what what happens with a coach? I mean, you got to go back to what happened with Dan Bilesma, where you know the, you know Bilesma just didn't do anything that those guys liked, and they couldn't wait for him to leave. Yeah, it is interesting to sort of see the and that's I guess that's the confusing part, right? Is is thinking about how this team sort of responded to Bilesma, who, you know, frankly wasn't really setting them up for success on the ice. But I guess they're, you know, kind of looking back at that whole situation, there were numerous times where people talked about, you know, his really inability to communicate and connect with the players. And I think that's really where Ralph probably came in um and and sort of brought that. And I and I wonder this is a good transition point getting into Don Granado because I think with Don I think he brings a little bit of both. Maybe not the same level of personal connection and and potential, you know, sort of like an enigma or, or just sort of that that being in the locker room. But I think his system, along with his ability to connect with younger players and his experience in USA Hockey and 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 coaching for other really successful organizations, and and I wonder what you think about his time, quote unquote, because I think right now, you know, his story is unbelievable too. By the way, I, I, just everything about Don really speaks to. It sort of feels like the Pagulas may have kind of fallen into something here um mm-hmm. and and it would be a shame to me that they look internally and they say something along the lines of well listen I, you know i we really it's not don that we don't like it's it's where we are as an organization where we don't really have the luxury of trying don out for a full-time basis and we need someone that we know can come in that's regimented that has a system that works that is respected by players so let's go get john tortorella or let's go get bruce boudreau or like quinn right like that's another name that i think and your your point about there maybe being more head coaching candidates on the market than Definitely the last few times the Sabres have been up to bat, um, mm-hmm. I think makes for this decision ultimately really interesting. But I look at Granado, Joe, and I say to myself, this really strikes me as a guy that gets it, that isn't a, you know, my way or highway type of guy and can be malleable with his system, but depending on the types of players he has. And I just feel like he's the perfect fit, and it almost worries me that the timing of this makes it harder for the Pagulas to buy in, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, I mean, they're at, the, the Sabres are at a crossroads here. Um, I think the, the, the next direction of, of where this franchise goes hinges on how things play out this summer with, with how they put together the roster. Um, you know, depending on what happens with Jack and Sam and, and Olmark and, you know, all those guys where you're just like, you know, you, you're talking about a radical change if you're if you're watching those guys go and i think that's where picking a coach comes in you almost have to get that settled out for you have to get the players settled out first before you settle on a coach uh because if you're bringing don you know if you if you tell don okay you're our guy you're coming in um let's you know let's do this you know we're giving you two or three years like let's go let's let's make this work and if you're keeping, you know, if you're if you find a way to, to to cool the waters with with Jack and Sam and those guys, and you get them to buy in long term, is Don the right guy to to make it work with those guys? I mean, obviously he's made it work with Sam, um, but we don't know how it works with Jack. You know, like that's you know, and that's that's a huge key because he's your best player. If he if he stays, that's a, that's a huge thing you've got to get figured out. And I'm not saying like you have to ask Jack, okay, what coach do you want? Like that's that's not how you do it, but you got to get somebody who's going to be able to you, that you trust to be able to lean into what makes him go, 
and what makes him work best and, and find the guys to play with him that, that make it, make it the optimal combination. I think that's, you know, between that and, you know, the style and, and how they want to run a power play and all that, that all comes in huge. And that's where I think you have to, you have to try to do your best to compare. And it's real. I mean, that's where, that's where Don's at a disadvantage because, you know, he's coaching a team that was just, you know, they were done. By the time he was hired, they were already out of, you know, out of a playoff race. They're, you know, they're non-factor and you're just kind of, you know, coasting them into the end of the year, but he did well with it. Uh, but if, I think if you're at a point where you're trading Jack and Sam and saying like, okay, we're, we're going to start over again here. Yeah. The fans are going to hate it. But I think if you've got Don in that spot to kind of guide the ship and grow with that team, I think that's an even better spot. I think that's, that that that's where you you would start seeing you know the, the Lindy Ruff comparison mm. and whatnot. Um, I think that's where you, you start saying like okay like this guy's going to be able to mold this young team and, and his and hit you know the way he wants to and the way he wants to get it done and you kind of cool things off and you hit a reset on the clock because you, know, you you can yell about you know ten eleven years out of the playoffs and say well it's okay because we you know th- this team needed a whole new restart. And that's where that's where I think you're you're much cooler and calmer and happier with Don in that spot. But if you keep Jack and you keep Sam and you're saying, "All right, let's you know let's get another kick of the can here. Let's get this figured out." I don't think that Don. I don't know that. I don't know that Don is the guy that that you want to put in that spot because you're immediately heaping on a ton yeah. of everything onto his shoulders and say, "Okay, bud." Let's go get it. I think that's a, that's a spot where you need somebody who's been through that rigor before. You know, whether it's a Gallant or, or a Boudreau, uh, you know, a Claude Julien, or I mean, Tort- I mean, Tortorella gets results. Just everybody, everybody ends up hating him after yeah. three years. Right. So you know, it's it, it's it's a whole different kind of thing. So that's where that's where a lot of this debate is is going to be so hard because you you almost have to figure out what you're doing with this team first before you pick pick a coach. Yeah, and, and the kind of last thing here, Joe, that, that maybe is the most interesting part to me, and I, and I love this point that you're sort of making, and it reminds me a lot of the Bills at year 10 of their playoff drought, where they kept trying to push the envelope because they, they kept feeling the pressure of that drought. And, that, and I think mm-hmm. that the pressure of the drought forced them into making short-sighted, short-term decisions that ultimately kept piling on and creating that snowball effect. And you keep adding in pressure, poor short-term you know, moves as a franchise, and that's how a 10-year drought turns into a 17-year drought. And I wonder for the Sabres if... We're almost at that point now where you're going to make a decision based on the pressure of not of no success for as long as they've been, and you're going to make a short-term decision that will ultimately keep snowballing this thing. So, you know, how much does the pressure of this playoff streak or playoff list streak maybe play into the decision making, whether or not that's it should or should not be the case? It's, I mean, it's it's got to be. A- a factor. I mean, I, I think it's going to be in their minds, anyways. I don't think that's that's the reason you make decisions, uh, because that's how you you keep looking for band aids on a on a gaping wound. I think that's that, that's what happens there. That's how you end up hiring, you know, the NHL's version of Rex Ryan when you've got when, when you've got Sean McDermott, you know, telling you know people telling you, hey, talk to this guy. And they're like, nah, Rex Ryan's really emphatic. We really like him. He painted his truck in the Bills colors. Let's let's get him. Oh, he'll bring his brother in too. It'll be great. You know, like that's that's where you run into like you run into a situation like that, and you know the NHL where you're just kind of like, well, 
yeah, we've got this thing here, but we got to we, we just got to reset the clock. Let's just get the playoffs, and, and then we'll figure it out after that. And then you end up hiring a coach that's gonna you know maybe he gets you there, but he burns you out really fast. And I know this sounds like I'm describing Tortorella, but it could be anybody. <laughs> um, but it's it, it's it's something where you've got to like this. This is what I mean. We're figuring out what you're doing with your team roster-wise is such a such an important thing here because you got to figure out how you want to go about it. And if if you decide that you just want to you just want to be you know be the eighth best best team in right. the East and get into the playoffs, then okay, you can you can find a coach that can coach guys up to do that. Uh, but if your goal really is to make a Stanley Cup and you want to do it. You know the most genuine way possible. Then you know you've got you've got some other options out there, and you've got to figure out who's the best fit. And they, you know, that's something where the ownership has really struggled with uh, in in getting things. Through. I mean, they struggled with a lot on the Saber side of things. It's not it's not it's not dance around it. They have, but uh, but figuring out who your guy is and how you want this team to be built to try to get you there. That's what they. That's what they're really staring themselves in the face with right now because this is this is going to be a huge summer for them and if they are making trades i mean yeah you got to make the right trades but if you're make if you're if you're moving these guys out and you're going even more youth boy you you, you gotta i mean you gotta have the right coach no matter what but i think one the option you've got with don is going to help out a lot with steadying steadying that ship but i don't know if that's you know, if that's the right move, if you're saying no, we're our plan is to get back in the playoffs and win a Stanley Cup next year. I don't, I don't know how you do that with by by putting that on Don's shoulders. Yeah, man. You know, just get Taylor Hall. That means we're going for for a Stanley Cup. I guess that's what that means. Joe, appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for making time. A great conversation, and uh, look forward to, uh, to 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 kind of following along. And hopefully, very soon, I'm uh, I'm reading your work for some great hockey publication very soon. It would be awesome, Nate, but I appreciate your time, and it's always fun talking.